Welcome to episode 15 of Radio Check. This is going to be a Women of Khaki presentation produced by Keeper. I'm going to have a little production meeting ahead of time. A strange intro I finally just wanted to use so I can take it off my timeline. And then our regular introduction, and then we'll be right into it. Hope you enjoy. Cathasaurus's podcast was a jumping off point. Yeah. What happened after that? And... Um, <laughs> Some stuff happened. <laughs> Generally, things got better. And also, there were still some things. And so I think it's still a great opportunity to hear more from Kate and Mare and you, Beaches, about what kind of roles, what kind of obstacles came up. This yes. came up from a conversation that Keeper and I had after I had listened to, to Cass. Um, and I said, it was great and totally down memory lane. And I do not have like that kind of detailed memory, but I felt so much like it was authentic and very like a lot about the struggles of being a woman in the department and particularly early on. And my idea was like, next step, we were still having struggles, but in part of because of all of that, you know, what's the next step of, of you know, female involvement in, in the leadership in, in the Rangers and in part to be not just storytelling, but also just positivity as well as you know acknowledging that we still have some systemic issues but also to just provide some model and a way forward for you know some of the women coming into the department absolutely Welcome back to Radio Check, a podcast by the Department of Institutional Memory. who they're listening to and talking with. My name's Ranger Keeper, and I've been a Ranger since 2001, and you are listening to Radio Check. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> and uh, we have a panel with us today. We're not in person. We're doing this via Zoom, and I'm going to tap over to Peaches. Hey, it's, uh, it's Peaches. I'm one of your Ranger Operations Managers right now, and I have been a, a Ranger since 2004. Thanks, Peaches. Kate? I am K8, which is lowercase k, uppercase 8. <laughs> <laughs> Big 8! <laughs> right? Um, I have been a ranger since 2006. Yes, 6. Awesome. And Mayor? I'm Mayor Deterre. I started going to Burning Man in 2003. Um, I walked into HQ to help there because I wanted to you know be a part of what was going on and contribute um and then uh, we used to get ranger pins every year from Sea Dog and there is like some but you didn't have to be a ranger to work HQ at the time and then um 
things evolved and you had to be a ranger in HQ. It was just really needed to be like that. And I actually was the one that pushed that through and I still wasn't an official ranger, but became one. So yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I think um, a couple of extra titles and context that throw on all of those introductions and please help me out if I forget some things, but um, yeah, so Mayor, you played a huge role in getting HQ, Ranger HQ, up and running. In fact, when you first started, HQ was not located where it is currently, and you really brought that program yeah. to life. And also that historical shift that you're talking about, where people who were part of Echelon actually became part of the Rangers, because for a while it was just a support team. Um, and then yeah. K8, you got thrown in pretty darn quickly to becoming a communications manager. and. First on the council first year of VC and then <clears throat> communications manager and working with the council and then a bunch of personnel stuff that you were working on with easy before that was kind of a defined role and then all this stuff I don't know I feel like you've had your yeah. a lot of different pools there yeah I started the council um, as both the communications manager and the personnel manager with apparatus Oh, right. And okay. then App stepped down and Easy joined. And then I stepped down and Wavelet. Yeah. It's been kind of a overlap, which is nice because there's a lot of moving parts to that job. Totally. And Peaches, I think you've had almost every job that there is to have in the Rangers, <laughs> which is a really lucky thing to have in an ops manager, which is why you're in that position and have been for a while now. Wanna detail through some of the stuff done in various ranger teams? Well, I think uh, the one position that I have not done is intercept. <laughs> Noted. Noted for the record. Well, are you going to R and R? You know, but I drive around on play all the time, so I think I'm just kind of like, you know, not officially intercept. Um, yeah, I think the you know, my trajectory really involved with the ranger department just came in part because of you keeper and crow because um i had met you all at our first kind of mondays down in in los angeles after the event in 2004 just a, a just a get together for for rangers and you all started talking about this thing called japlaya and that i should come do that and do the training there so in 2005, I flew up to Reno and I borrowed my truck up to Canada and I drove out to the playa to do the Juplaya training. And the only two people I knew were you and Crow. <laughs> so that's part. Of, that's always been part of my message to to new rangers on when they talk about how it seems very quickish and seems hard to get in. And I said sometimes you just you just have to throw something and do it right mm -hmm. and. So I did, and that's I met I met C Dog, who was the department, you know, um, Lee Ben uh, manager, and met Big Bear, who was you know in charge of Leal back then, um, and Molten Joe and a bunch of other folks. And as when Big Bear asked if I wanted to to, to join the Leal team for my second year, you know, as as a ranger, and I think in part of that too is you know I started the Rangers when I was like forty five years old, you know, and I was always already well established in my career as a lawyer, and so that kind of makes it maybe a little bit easier to like take that real big risk and do it. So I did Leo for a few years 
And then uh, Binky in Tulsa tricked me into doing a shift lead shift. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those wily e. coyotes, Binky in Tulsa. <laughs> oh, that's to me too. The risky program is amazing, right? This is how I got into be a shift lead. It's like, it was a really slow shift on Leo. And Tulsa and Binky were there and they're like, hey, why don't you take the mic and like take the radio and do it. And then they like went to commissary for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, after the event that year, I found out I was a shift lead. <laughs> it's a great way to get your shift leads. <laughs> K8, if I'm it not is. mistaken, Binky was instrumental in making you do some stuff in leadership too. Is that right? Yeah. So my first year as a ranger, there was a VC who was probably very overworked and didn't communicate a lot of things like the fact that we had a training and that I needed to pass it or that there was alpha shifts or like any of these things. It was not the best customer service experience I've ever had, honestly. And so I was thinking about this in front of HQ and Binky was like, well, would you like to help fix it? And because I, like Peaches, I'm a sucker. I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be, that'd be fine. Um, Fortunately, she also got Shiho and Scouty, so we divided the role up, but I took on all of the alpha wrangling because I didn't want... I showed up at Birdman being like, I'm going to be a ranger this year, and then I was like, what? Uh, you mean I might not get to? Um, and I was super bummed, so I didn't want anyone to be surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it might not be a thing that they could do if they really wanted to do it. And also, I think... Yeah. Probably in doing that, you had to facilitate a whole bunch of communications out to people oh. to make it better. <laughs> I did. So I sent a lot. I sent so many emails that I met an alpha and introduced myself. And they were like, wait, you're, you're K-8. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, oh, I got so many emails from you. I thought that it was actually a group of eight people. And then it was the Kathy <laughs> 8. emails. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I'm just really bored at work. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate all eight of you living inside that one Ranger K8. <laughs> I mean, that's you why your brain feels so crowded, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And Mayor, how did uh, how did you get connected to saying, oh, I want to help out the Rangers? That looks like a thing I'd want to do. And then all of a sudden, you're running HQ and putting a whole program together and changing the definition of who a ranger is. I have five kids, and the two oldest kids were rangers. OG, Ranger Moose, I think there's a new moose now, and uh, Ranger Blitzen. And they went for years in the 90s, and they're like, Mom, you have to go to this. And I'm like, you sure you want to take your mom to this? You know, because I don't know, I've heard stories, and especially I heard a lot of their stories, and they were rangers, so they had some good stories. I live in the redwoods. I'm not a desert person and it's hot. I don't do hot and there's a lot of naked people around. I don't know. You know, I I don't want to be running naked, but anyway, one year it was so, their stories were so compelling. The community, the art, you know, the whole experience. I was like, okay, I will go, but find a camp of old hippies on the other side of town. I'll stay with them. And they're like, no, you're camping with us. We're going to keep an eye on you. And that <laughs> was a good thing. I know thing. it's going to be good when your own kids are telling you, we've got to keep yeah, an eye yeah. on you. I know. I was like, oh, man, I don't want to. Anyway, so um, I uh, this was, you know, in 03. So I got in early with Holly, and uh, it was mind-blowing. 
it was just so awesome being there early watching the city going up watching the people working together and i remember standing in camp one afternoon with holly and uh this truck pulled up fast full of people full of people hanging out the back and side and they're like blitzen we're going to the hot springs get in and she jumped in and they were gone i was like hey <laughs> oh. <laughs> I said, okay, not this year, not this year. But there was a year later where the truck pulled up and they're like, Mayor, get in. I'm like, whoa. And I just, I'm like, yeah, done. And we, we took off. It was pretty amazing. What happened was at one point, the uh, hours before the burn, I had a really bad arthritis in my knees. And I now have two metal knees and a metal hip. I am so good to go. But at the time, it was an issue. And I was like, I can't do all this walking, but I really want to do something. And um, I had this really bad experience with a ranger. Really bad. I mean, he made me cry. That's how bad. Yeah. And uh, what happened was I had an electric bike, a, tr a, tri a three wheel bike, and it had a little palm tree in the back that lit up at night and it was like a little island that drove around well it had rained and i didn't know about playa platforms or anything and i'm driving my bike and i get right to the you know sitter camp and the tire the mud is like you know two feet deep on the tires and it bent uh, a fender and i couldn't use it and i'm trying with all my might to bend it back and i'm looking for things laying around to do it. The place is pretty much deserted. There is nobody around. They're all going to go be at the burn. And there was this ranger in HQ and I went up and I'm like, oh, hey, you know, I'm really sorry to bother you, but I'm having problem with my thing. Could you help me with that? And he goes, no. Oh. I was like, oh, ouch. Okay. He goes, you go find someone in the community to help you. I oh said, there's God. nobody here. I said, I've spent a half an hour. You've been watching me. I saw you. You've been watching me all this time. He goes, you find someone to help you. And I was like, I said, oh, well, my daughter and my son are rangers. Could you, you know, I didn't know a lot about the family. I'm like, could you call <laughs> for me? And he goes, no, we don't do that. And I said, well, they're camping at Berlin. And he goes, are, your kids are rangers. And I'm like, yeah, Blitzen and Moose. And, and Sasquatch was their mentor, which was at the time, oh, you go, you know, it was very informal. And he goes, no, no, we don't do that. I'm not going to do that. You go find someone to help you. And then I just, I had been struggling so much and I was so angry at this guy because he was abrupt and rude. And then here comes this ranger, um, Captain Conundrum, remember? Yeah. And he comes out of the blue and it's like, and then I was just like, oh, I can't go to a ranger for help. They're assholes. They're jerks, you know. And so then, but I was like, hey, man, you know. And he goes, oh, yeah, no problem. He gets over there and he's like, Bennett, and he beats it into submission. And I get on my bike. I go home. I get to my camp. And they're like, where are you? We've been waiting. We're so worried. And then I just start crying. I was like, this guy was an asshole. I know it should be that. Anyway, so um, then I thought, I'm going to change that shit. I don't ever want that to happen to anybody else. That guy is And uh, so um, names are changed to protect the guilty. But, but anyway, uh, so then I started looking into, like, what does it take to do that, you know, I, and, and stuff. And the next year, you know, I went online and I was like, hey, you know, with the Rangers, I want to be a Ranger, but I'm handicapped. 
you know, I got this. And then, oh man, they're like, well, we don't want to have any trouble with the handicapped people. And uh, there was a lot of back and forth there, you know, uh, about what I could do in that. And I said, well, can I work, you know, HQ? And they're like, yeah, yeah, you could do that. And so I went into HQ and um, I used to be a nurse. And so when you go to a new unit or something, you look for their policy manual, their procedure manual, the training <laughs> manual. And I went, I was like, hi. And there was a woman in there. There were mostly women. There are a couple guys that have, are probably still doing it. Really cool people. And I said, do you have these things? And they looked at me like, no, we don't. We, they said, well, yeah, there. And on the wall was a corner of a piece of a um, legal pad that had some things written on it, taped up on the wall. And they go, that's it. And I was just like, this isn't really helpful. <laughs> and it was like, dust all the things, wipe the computers, don't, you know. And uh, I was like, can, you know, so, so I started volunteering and it was, um, you know, they were eight hour shifts. Um, they actually were more, I'm sorry, my dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were um, more like 10-hour shifts or more. And they were really, for the entire crew of HQ, there were only, I think, maybe 12 rangers that ran HQ that volunteered there. And um, only a few were rangers. Um, like I said, you didn't have to be a ranger. And I remember going in and going, um, do we have name tags? Because I don't know your name. <laughs> and it's a secure place, right? And so I talked to this ranger again, and he goes, no, you don't get name tags. You're not rangers. I was like, yeah, I know that, but we're in a secure environment. We've got all your papers with your credit card information and your signature and all this other stuff we could take home with us because, anyway, and I said, I just want to know who's supposed to be in here because... The shift before that I worked, a fellow came in, sat down, and I realized he didn't have a name tag either, but I don't know, you know, we don't either, but he belonged to Sanctuary. <laughs> I figured out. Well, you quickly. mean he was a client of Sanctuary? He was a client of Sanctuary and was like, Me? yeah, I didn't you for half an hour because I'm like, I don't know this guy, but yeah, and yeah, and then when he started talking about the dragons coming up to the window, I was just like, oh, I'll be right back. And I, had to and I got I got a black swan, and they collected him. Was like, We've been looking for this guy. I went so close to home. So um, I started making our own name tags at home and laminating them because we couldn't use the ranger supplies for that. And because uh, we weren't rangers and we weren't in the budget. So we started having our own own uh, name tags. And also I had a ranger come in and no, he wasn't a ranger. He's like, I'm your shift relief. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, where are you camped? Who, you know, trying to figure out. And then after about a, a half an hour, 45 minutes, I felt like, okay, I can leave this guy here because I think he really is legit. It sounds like there was a lot of work to do to bring it oh, up speed in a way you know, that was organized. And yeah, in the day to check out a radio, it was on a, an index card. And you'd have to take the index card out for the radio number, write the ranger's name in, write the day, the this, the everything. Every single ranger, we had to pull out a four by six card or a three by five and fill out all this information at shift change. Wow. And um, yeah. I remember that. 
I hope I the did, tech I team is one, listening. <laughs> I did one H, I did one HQ shift. I think it was in 2006, maybe my first year when I was camping at Tokyo. I think Feline was working there, and she'd already been working, and there was nobody signed up to do the graveyard. <laughs> and I was rolling off a swing shift and she was getting ready to go on to make like maybe a triple or something. I don't know. Yeah. I said, oh, sure. I'll work the grave with you at HQ. How hard can it be? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that was when the pogs were actually wooden oh, yeah. pogs. Yes. Pogs. pogs. <laughs> yes, and, and we And if we didn't get enough pogs returned to us, they're round discs of wood. <laughs> If we didn't get enough of those back, you didn't get a meal. We couldn't give meals to people. You'd get hungry. So I would go back behind HQ, which there was HQ and then, you know, uh, Khaki Shack and some other stuff. And so I would go back there and there are always rangers at the table. I'm like, dump out your pockets, man. I want to squeeze them out, pull them out. I mean, you want to deliver. Oh, I forgot. Oh, I'm like, yeah, you probably got a buttload of those at home. You know, you took home with you. And so then we'd collect one or two or three for all the rangers coming off shifts so they could have a meal. You know, it was ridiculous. I made a Barbie Shiva doll for Ranger HQ. And you can't pull the arms off a Barbie doll like you can pull the wings off a butterfly. You have to get a Dremel tool and cut them out. Well, I gave her six arms. And she was holding in each of those arms a little Barbie-sized keyboard, a pog, <laughs> a hat for the costuming, you know, and some other th keys and some other things. But those pogs were, you know, like gold. And it was so ridiculous that we had to fight and beg for meals for the Rangers. It pissed me off. But yeah, oh, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> that doll became the inspiration, I bet, for that beautiful patch that you designed for Echelon. Uh, like the, oh yeah, the yeah. The arms and the yeah. Yeah, no, I, I had so much fun designing that. There was the issue with the boobs. You see the Burning Man sign. Yeah, it was like I had it. So first I had her with boobs with the the Burning Man sign, and then people were like, "Those are big boobs." I'm like, "Oh, for God's sake!" <laughs> you know, I want you to know that the woman gave up boobs, but people were just yeah, it was weird. So that made so that. The, the curve of the burning man arm and legs it looked you know held space <laughs> man has cleavage yeah <laughs> today non-binary you know one of the things i changed as soon as i figured out oh hey i could change this because there was no job description for me right. and um which that could be a lot of fun because in in uh you know when we would write up our you know list of things we need for the next year I always put cabana boy and <laughs> I got one one year it was good I thought I'll slip it in they won't notice they'll fill it and then we'll have our cabana boy but um, we also we used to have only two windows for, for, all, HQ. HQ. for yeah. all of HQ two windows and I was like hey you know there's like more windows in here and then they're like well but then you'd have to get more computers we don't have the budget for that right now I was like, oh, okay. Anyway, we managed to get some, uh, Gemini was really instrumental right. in helping us get more computers and keyboards that wouldn't die from the playa. Mm -hmm. Gemini was pivotal in a lot of the great improvements that happened at HQ, because I go Gemini 
we need some help, girl. You know, and she'd be like, yeah, and then she, did, she, she did a shout out. And so I get, think I donated it to bring, to bring the computers in. Yeah, one time I had all the monitors and the computers that in my little 10 foot Barbie doll travel trailer. I was towing to Burning Man and I broke a serpentine belt, which I wore all that year on the playa for that month. But um, I had to pull over and I got into this fast food place and the water's just dumping and I can see the serpentine belt on the ground and I'm like, oh man. And I go into the fast food place and I'm like, hey man, I'm really sorry, but I have to leave my, my vehicle here. I'm going to have to camp here tonight. And they're like, oh, you don't want to do that. It's, and it's really too bad you weren't closer to the, the window, the mirror, I mean, the camera, so we could watch it because you can't stay here tonight. But when you come back, it might not be there. It might be burned down. I'm like, oh, man, I've got all my – it was outside of Sacramento. So I was determined to spend the night in the trailer. And um, the, I got a hold of some tow truck guys, a long story, but it was, um, it was pretty – pretty hysterical, but I was not leaving that Burning Man stuff at all. <laughs> it's going to go down in flames. I was going to go down in with it. But, um, well, I loved that it was, a you know, a call for help of like, we have this need. We're trying to run this whole operation yes. out of here. We can't do it with two windows and no computers. So step up and people yeah. responded to that call and you were able to coordinate that and bring it out year after year. One of the reasons that we decided that the H2 really needed to be staffed by rangers is that when I went into HQ the first time and started working there, there were lots of drop calls, or calls that weren't picked up, period. And I was like, what is going on? And we, man, we really got it from Crow one day. He was losing it. We were picking up the calls. And he, you know, and, and he was right. Every, he just ripped us a new one. I'm like, oh my God, Crow was really upset. And he yelled and he went out. And I was like, what is going on? And I stepped out, I came back in, and I heard a call for HQ come in. Nobody answered it. And I'm just, I'm not going to say a thing. I'm just waiting. Nobody picked it up. And before I could talk to them, here comes Crow back again. I'm like, oh God, not again. Shit. You know, and he comes back and I'm like, man, we're on it. We're going to have an in-service right now. People didn't know. They're like, no, we're not Echelon. We're HQ. I'm like, we are HQ. You're right. But we are also part of Echelon. So answer the call. There was no continuity of shared information. I mean, it was, everybody was on a different level. It was just, it couldn't operate like that. Mayor, I think too, it was just like you alluded to it, that like the, you know, like, oh, well, you're not really a ranger, you're echelon. And, right. and I was actually on council. I think it might've been my first round because I've, I've been hired and fired on council a few times. Um, <laughs> but I think it was my first round on council. Um, and we, we talked about how not only getting consistency, but also that there was just some really crappy behavior by Rangers toward Echelon folks, both field and HQ, mm -hmm. and, you know, really talking down to them. And it's like, man, you know, they save your ass, like, all the time. And they and they do walk-ups, and they do pick-up calls that you miss, too. And we wanted them, you know, everybody to be Rangers, so everybody's playing off, you know, from the same training and the same respect. Yeah, because not only did we have the issue of the way men treat women that we had to deal with, we yeah. had that, and you're not a ranger either. Right. But yeah. But Peaches, I think that was when we were on the council together because I remember we had this very philosophical discussion and we made this policy and it all, it's all going to be great. And they're like, fuck, I don't know if mayor can walk. <laughs> okay, so that was my second, mayor? That was my second round on council. <laughs> 
So maybe that was 2008. <laughs> I remember that thinking, okay. I was like, yeah, we have to do this. We have to be ready because we need that respect. We all need to have the same baseline of information that Rangers have. I used to go to all the meetings at, at Burning Man HQ, uh, even though I wasn't a Ranger, they let me in. Yeah, thank you guys helping out. <laughs> but yeah, I thought, oh, great. I just really encouraged them to pass the thing. I'm not a ranger. Oh, man. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I'll and just then you're all like, Mayor can't well, walk a fifth. How do we do this? Yeah. You did we're it. All, we're all hiding behind HQ, like, she can pass. Oh, my God. What a day that was. It was, uh, I remember uh, someone asking me, so, you know, being a ranger, what adds that to you? And I said, it's a high honor. It's a high honor to be a ranger. And I really meant that deeply. And uh, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Thank you, Merritt. It's an honor for us to have you in the department. Absolutely. It was really moving. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember that day too. I think I might have even walked part of that. Internship. I think you were <laughs> <laughs> It was awesome. And a lot to celebrate there. And a yeah. good, you know, good progress forward now, right? So it's all one department. It's all one team. It's all one shared set of values, procedures, mindset, really, of how we're going to be interacting with people, whether they're walking up to the HQ window or we're encountering them in the field. Kept everyone on the same page, which is really great. You know, when HQ was, uh, I guess it was a circle road behind the Center Cafe, we used to get a lot, I don't know what it's like right now, the last five years, but we got a lot of foot traffic participants yeah. coming i lived for that man oh my god it was so much fun it's like if you're in theater you're doing improv it's the thing for you because you don't know what the hell is going to happen from minute to minute you know and that's just uh, awesome we just you know we get medical we would get a lot of psych you know people a lot of a lot of everything you know like rangers too we got to ranger that we also got to ranger rangers you know yeah. Yeah. yeah, we used to have an X on the floor. You couldn't see it from the window. We had an X on the floor, and if a ranger came up, it was like beat red and looking kind of like, oh shit, he's looking a little too hot. Turning the radio, I'd say, hey, you know, I want you to look at something. Could you come around the back and come in here? And we have him sit in the chair. Well, the chair had an X where the chair had to be, and that's where the air conditioning came down. <laughs> and I'm like, would you take a look at this and tell me what you think? I'm not sure. And then, yeah. We used to do that. There's a lot of little things that we used to, used to do. One of the other things that I heard come through loud and clear while you were telling your stories was how there really wasn't a set way that it was done. You just saw like, oh, you're kind of doing this, but it's not a great system, right? Like a quarter of a torn off sheet of paper in a corner is not the same thing as a policy manual or procedure guide or anything like that. And that made me think of what Kate was saying about, um, oh, so you want to be a ranger? okay, show up, but all your expectations are actually wrong or they're, they're skewed in a direction. And then that kind of changed the way that you interacted with people, Kate, once you were in a, in a position where you could have more comms with alphas, potential alphas, and also, um, I would guess, even some of the mentoring work that you did, which you did a ton of. Yeah, I mean, in thinking about kind of what makes the women in our department different than the men in our department, it, and it's a thing that... I tried to bring throughout all the jobs I did was like, how is a, how is a person going to feel hearing this? Like, great. It makes sense. But if it makes people feel bad, we should find a different way to do it. And so keeping the emotional peace um, in mind, because we've got lots of 
very smart people with lots of thinky thoughts and lots of policies to write and they're, they all make a lot of sense, but if they hurt people, then they're dumb and we should change them. Mm-hmm. So I feel like my entire ranger career has been like, that's dumb. We should fix it. <laughs> <laughs> the essence of the duocracy. <laughs> Yeah, and I felt like I needed to be kind of like some of the balance and the heart. It's like, you know, I did shift leading for for so long and just really focused on, you know, on connecting with people. I mean, that's part of my passion and that's so much what we do. There's a lot more that goes on the department besides that, right? I mean, there's all kinds of operations stuff and that's cool. I've never been huge on the logistics side, but, you know, organization is fine and all that, but really like paying attention to people and knowing what they need kind of, you know, intuitively and listening. Um, and, and it's not just making people feel better. I think that actually makes you a better shift lead because if you're really, you know, keyed in and supporting your people and they're communicating well with you, you're getting a lot more information to, you know, to run the shift. Right. And I think, and that stood me really well, you know, going forward when, you know, if it's like, it's been, Tool and Crow and me, and then like we added Phil, so we got a little more of that. But it's like you know, between the three of us, like somebody needed to do the soft stuff, and it's not just because I was a woman, but it was you know because I had you know I had the capacity to do that. And we need people who are the heart of the Rangers, not you know not simply just you know get shit done. Yeah, there's no, a lot of shit to get done, and it's uh, mm. doing it compassionately and from the heart is huge. And I wonder, Peaches and Kate, if you could speak more to like when you are shift leading, which you both have done for a really long time. I know it's a core value for both of you about connecting with rangers in the field and making those personal connections, especially after some hard things happen. Um, making sure that you're there to support people after. And I wonder if you might speak towards what you see your role as or how you make those personal connections happen because so much of what we're, we're doing out there, you just hear about through the radio, right? And it's really hard to have heart come through a mechanical device that's <laughs> strapped to your shoulder while there's a bunch of background noise going on and who knows what. I think we both do that and I, I'm gonna gamble that we do it very differently. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what it, I mean, communication obviously is key and just, and, and, and caring and paying attention and understanding. So part of it is just paying attention to how people sound and, you know, so a lot of those soft kind of communication things. But I think one of the keys too is really having the experience and, and paying attention to not just moving the pieces around, but what is going on, you know, really getting information about the, the, the situations that are going and then knowing what that background is like and how hard it can be and also really knowing your people and so knowing what might be hard for them and just checking in and as they, and, and then people can be really strong and say, I'm gonna send another pair to you. And they're like, to back you up or just to, you know, or just to talk. But I think it's just, it really is if you're talking about like a, you know, the radio is, is one dimensional at its simplest, right? Cause it's just audio. But if you start, if you know the people and you know the situation and you know the environment, it becomes a multi-dimensional communication device if you're paying attention. And that's where you get, you know, the, the, the complete picture to be able to, you know, to get people what they need. And part of it is just also showing people you care. And I, I got that. Dirt Witch was one of the best shift leads mm-hmm. who ever did that. I mean, I felt when I was on a shift, and, and yes, Rangers, Peaches was a Dirt Ranger at one point, <laughs> walking with a partner, you know, and I, I, I felt like Dirt Witch, like she cared about me. And when I became a shift, I, like, I wanted, 
you know, and I'm not exactly like her, but I wanted all the rangers on my shift, whether I was shift leader or I'm an OD or I'm an ops manager to know it's on the radio or I'm coming into a scene that I'm, I am there first for them. And then I'm also there for the situation that they're, that they're dealing with. Kate, how about you? Well, I tell a lot of knock-knock jokes around four in the morning. <laughs> does, she does. Um, yeah, it's one of the things about the shift lead role. You know, it's, it's changed a lot since they started. Um, and there's this cruise director thing where people go out and they split everyone up. I, I get that some people don't like to go out and be part of that, but I want to see everybody's faces, and I want them to see me. And I... So I greet my shifts and I check in with them at the end. And I do, like Peaches was saying, I try to track like, oh, two days ago you were on that really gnarly sexual assault. And just kind of keep in mind what people have been going through over the week um, and try as much as I can to get consent, to let people know like what they're getting into. Um, for some reason, can I tell can I tell a story? Please tell us a story, Kaylee. Yes. Oh, so this one time at Burning Man. <laughs> oh, I've never heard this one before. Yeah, I did story start. <laughs> it was morning, and the sun came up, and a shift lead who will remain nameless said, "Hey, will you take these rangers out to the gate to relieve the rangers that are at the gate?" I'm like, sure. I've got my coffee. I didn't remember my water bottle. I'm like, get in the truck. And um, driving Phil's rat out to the gate. And there's people start complaining in the back that it's raining. And I was like, you pussies from California. It's <laughs> a little, like, some drop. Oh, my God. So we get out there, and there's a deluge. <laughs> like, and so the rangers that were out there couldn't get back, and the Rangers who had come out, we didn't know how long we were going to get out there, and I was just supposed to be transpo, um, and we ended up out there for like nine hours. I declared myself khaki in the north. <laughs> <laughs> well, for some reason, I thought you were out there like for like 14 hours. I remember, I remember this. Yes. Did so, it just seem like 14 hours? It did seem like 14 hours. It was a long, it was a long shift, but um, out of that, I learned something that I took forward with me, which is that I wouldn't do, I wouldn't ask rangers to do something that I wouldn't do myself. Yeah. So yeah. they were rotating back in. The gate has like a place where they feed the gate crew and I was rotating them back in. And every time I would send a ranger parent, I would take their position, which meant I didn't get rotated back in. But then when stuff got really hairy later in that shift, we had a solid team. And they believed me when I was like, I can't tell you why I need you to do this. I just need you to do it. Um, and that was, you know, that was because law enforcement was like, you can't tell anyone. So I wasn't able to tell my rangers what they were getting into. And that felt really bad. But we built such a rapport over the course of that shift. Um, there was trust. Yeah. There was trust. Yeah. Well, you were, you were being a leader, not just a manager. Yeah. Which was huge. Yeah. That was also tell the rest of that story, Kate? Or Yeah, so so there was a guy, he was crazy. Um so gate had been closed for like twenty-eight hours. There was back to the gravel lines. 
and he had barricaded himself in his bus. And um, Rebar, um, Bender, Bender, yeah, um, spent hours with this guy, just talking to him, talking to him, and finally um, comes out and says, "We think he's got, um, we think he's got fireworks, and we think he's maybe got a weapon, um, and he wants to go in and shoot up Burning Man." Which weirdly, the BLM didn't think was going to be cool. <laughs> That part. So, but there's like happy sad. It stopped raining now. There's people throwing frisbees. They're drinking their beer. Like it's a party on Gate Road. But law enforcement rolls up with like eight trucks and semi-automatic weapons. And I talked to this nice cop lady, and she's like, "I need you to establish a line of sight perimeter." And I'm looking, and I'm like, "There's me." <laughs> eight lanes of Gate Road. About five cars down there's Stegosaur. And that's what we've got. And I stopped and I was like, wait, what is a line of sight perimeter? And why would I want one? As, as far as you can see, sorry, can't do that. Right? I, I, I was like, excuse me, I went to art school, but <laughs> so she, she explains that apparently if you can see the gun, the gun can shoot you. So but you can't tell anyone because it'll cause panic. So I'm like, think, 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 think. Walk away from the cops, standing in the middle of Gate Road, and I burst into tears. He's mm -hmm. like, what are you gonna do? This is impossible. And <laughs> people die, and they're just playing hacky sack and trying to go to Burning Man. Um, so I burst into tears, and all of these participants who we'd been working with all morning to kind of let them know what was going on, run up, and they're like, Ranger, 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 you have been in such a good mood all day. Like, what's wrong? And I was like, I can't, I can't tell you. <laughs> but, like, but if anything happened, and I just, and they're like, how can we help? I was like, mm. stand in a circle and make sure nobody tries to hug me. <laughs> <laughs> So they do, and I finally get my shit together. <laughs> and I was like, I have 11 people now. Radio check. Yeah, who know how to make a perimeter. You are all perimeter <laughs> experts. Uh, and so deployed them across the road and got rangers, like, as they started noticing that maybe the cops pointing guns at Gate Road were a thing that rangers might be interested in coming up and supporting participants, but it was this really magical, like, example of social capital, both within our shift, but yeah. also all the work we'd been doing all morning long to keep people's spirits up and let them know what was going on and, you know, standing out in the cold rain um, to try to keep people safe. Um, and it's riding that line between being a uh, authority figurine that's supposed to know things and make people feel better, but also being a human being. Um, and that was, like, I don't know if I should, I should have told that story because of the crying part, which isn't really part of my brand. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not a bad part of a brand, hun. <laughs> uh, no, but I actually, that, that um, experience of showing my humanness, mm -hmm. I think, made me a better shift lead, made me a better ranger, um, will make me a better therapist if I ever graduate. Um, yeah, you're so close. I am so close. I get to be a ranger all the time soon. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, question mark. <laughs> it's great. And nobody got hurt? 
And nobody got shot. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got shot. Um, and all the Rangers got to come back to HQ. Yeah. Was organized and staffed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Mayor. And they got fed and taken care of. And the next morning, Peaches defended me with the BLM when someone tried to throw me under the bus. Right on, Peaches. That was a, a time we had the BLM staff person who was particularly difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Bender, too. They were, like, all over, what, like, why was he in there for so long, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, you don't get what we do. I don't understand why you pointed 14 automatic... Yes! ...automatic weapons at civilians. There are things about each other we're never going to understand. <laughs> <laughs> room for everybody ever again. Yeah, like, their theater is weird. Like, Mary, you're talking about improv. They really, like, not the comedic actor types. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, and there's, you know, we, we have, have had one particular asshole that we dealt with for years, but we've had really good ones, too. It's like, I did, you know, did Leo for so many years, and then both the OD and ops manager, you know, I'm dealing with law enforcement every day, multiple times a day. And, you know, some years are better than others, and, and a lot of individuals are, much, are better than the few others, you know, and... So part of it is spending some time and it's not going to solve everything, you know, but mutual respect. I, I mean, that's like, I'm not the same person, worldview, whatever, as a bunch of the Burning Man participants, but, you know, we, if we respect each other's, you know, worldview and, you know, we all, and also respect that, you know, most people are, you know, they're trying to, you know, honestly, and ha you know, have an authentic experience, even law enforcement is there, they, their motivation might be different. You know, but, you know, if you are communicating with them and respecting their point of view, you at least have a chance <laughs> to be able to work together, right? <laughs> I was asking Safety Phil about burn Burning Man stories because I don't remember them. Um, and it's all a blur. Like, I don't know if stuff happened. There was a radio. I wore brown. Um, <laughs> and he, he reminded me of a night that we evicted someone and law enforcement helped us after we were like, he did this, this, and like, oh, they went into sanctuary, pulled, picked up, six of them went in, picked up his cot, took him outside and then woke him up because they didn't want to wake up the other sanctuary people. They trespassed him and this guy was like, I don't understand what is happening to me, man. And I don't know what got into me, but I was like, I can explain it to you. <laughs> and this ring of cops just all took six inch step back and they were like, let the lady speak. <laughs> and then they took him away. It was like the coolest. I felt like the cops had my back. It's nice when it works together like that. There you have it, the end of episode 15. Women of Khaki continues. There's more from this wonderful interview that'll be next week. We want to appreciate you guys for coming back and listening over and over and over. There's a couple more episodes coming, and then we might call this season done as we spend more time outside. We may go to every other week for the next season, but uh, stay tuned for a couple more weeks and we'll be giving you more Ranger stories. So thanks very much. Again, Radio Check is executive produced by Splinter and Crow, produced by Splinter and Keeper and Slip On, music by me, Mark Harder, and there's emotional and moral support from a lot of you out there. So thanks very much. If you can figure out a way to reach out to us and tell us what you think, what you like, what you'd like to hear, please do. More is in line for the Department of Institutional Memory. 
Kids are hard at work on a website so we can keep all of the old pictures and things together. But get your stories in mind. We'll have an interesting surprise for you at the end of Season 1. And you'll get to participate very heavily in Season 2. Thanks a lot for listening. Have a great day.